This is the Super Sports Schools Podcast, bringing you stories of our future stars powered by Spurs Stake Ranchers. One, two, three, go! Angus Savage from Next Gen 15, thanks so much for joining us on the Super Sports Schools Podcast. Just to start off, can you tell us who you are? Well, cheers, Alex. Pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, I'm from Next Gen 15. Um, I suppose, roughly speaking, I'm a schools rugby expert from the UK, uh, expert in the loosest sense of the word. And yeah, come down to to do some commentary over the under eighteen international series. It's been it's been an absolute blast, and uh, it's a pleasure to sit down and, and chat about things. Come down to South Africa for the under eighteen international series. How are you enjoying being here? It's amazing. Uh, I've, it's my third time in South Africa. It's an amazing country, absolutely amazing country, and um, first time actually getting to to watch some rugby here. Which you know, it's a a national passion, and it's it's been incredible to see the sheer number of people watching these games and uh, and interacting just you know in the in the hotel that I'm staying at anytime I go out for dinner or for lunch or something there's people interacting uh, it's it's an incredible experience and, and absolutely loving it so you talked a lot about the vibe I mean what is the difference if any between you know schoolboy rugby here and there yeah I mean there's a huge amount of differences the the biggest difference is is the passion for it um, and probably the in South Africa, the impression I have, at least, you, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. The impression I have is that the the results industry is is a big one. You know, it, it really matters whether you win or lose. Now, in the UK, on any given Saturday, it matters whether you give whether you win or lose. But actually, there's a particularly in the last five or six years, been a real focus towards uh, what the ultimate goal is, which is turning players into into professionals or keeping them in the game and developing skill sets and all the rest of it and results have taken almost a bit of a backseat to that so witnessing that difference and the difference that that sometimes results in style of play as well has been quite interesting you know just to to take the example of the um the games on the tuesday in the under 18 international series uh, south africa losing narrowly to france and and england winning quite well against western province although that you know that's a an international team against a, against a province. So it's a bit of a mismatch, but the, the styles are very different. South Africa playing with a 10, very deep looking to dominate through territory and a kicking game and, and very much like test match rugby, winning rugby. Whereas the England team looking to just move the ball wide and really stress the skills of all the players in an attempt to develop those skills to an extent that when they become an international, those skills are able to be replicated under pressure which way is the right way? I don't know. One side's practicing test match rugby. The other side is practicing putting skills under pressure, which should be useful for test match rugby at, at some point. It's it's two very different ways of probably getting to the same answer. But uh, I suppose it's reflected not right now in what the England team is doing, certainly what South Africa are doing at under 18 level. And in their school game, you can see that reflected in the way the national side's playing. You're not seeing that in the England side at the moment. You know they're playing actually quite South African. They're playing with a ten that a ten that wants to play the corners and then get a big maul going, um, trying to fight fire with fire. Maybe that's as a result of the last World Cup final. And they're going, well, we've seen we've seen how you do it. Maybe we need to go out and do the same. Um, so it's it, it's it's an interesting difference. There's a there's a a vast difference in terms of popularity as well. Every time I've I've turned up, I've been to what have I been to two internationals. I've got another one coming today. Um, I've been to a school game. I've been to an old boys game. Thousands of people at each of them. That wouldn't happen in the UK. You'd get a couple of hundred. Um, it's a it's a massive just cultural difference in terms of the support and the enth- the enthusiasm for school rugby. 
Um, enthusiasm exists in the UK, but it doesn't exist in terms of putting bums on seats. You're talking about being at these school games that you've gone to as well while you've been here, the Paul Derby being one of them. That's the biggest uh, school rugby derby in the world, as as we know. It was that your first time at that? Yeah, yeah, it was, and you know, in excess of twenty thousand people. Mm. It was a schoolboy rugby experience unlike anything I've ever had, um, and in the most positive possible sense. So just thousands and that. Well, as I say, over twenty thousand people watching, all just with extreme knowledge, extreme passion. Um, and, you know, putting me under pressure just by being there and asking me questions and, and assuming that I will have the answers. So the, the, the test of your own skills as a, as a journalist, as a commentator is huge because if you don't know your stuff, you're going to get called out on it because everyone around you knows their stuff. So you've, you've got to be sharp. I mean, school where you're ugly is its own subculture. I mean, I was a part of it. I still find myself a part of it. And, you know, going to all boys games, it really is just its own league of its own. And how do you think that translates from commentating here and in the UK? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting contrast in commentating styles. Um, in the UK, I'm very conscious that I, I know what each school is trying to do behind the scenes. So I know what the what the aims are. I know that if they try something and it doesn't work, for instance, I know what they've been trying and why it hasn't worked. And therefore I can bring that into the commentary and try and keep it positive because it's not what a terrible error it's okay. I see what they were trying to do. It hasn't worked this time, but I see it. I come here. I don't have that depth of knowledge of all the sides. So it's almost a much more traditional broadcast in terms of being, like any or any game you'd see on TV where you're, you're really just talking about the action that's happening and giving your honest reaction to what happens because I've just got a, a lesser depth of knowledge. Um, that being said, you know, as particularly over the under 18 international series, the, you very quickly start to see what each team is trying to do. And you very quickly start to realize when something is an error or when something is a success and when something is something that is just what they're trying tactically to do and it either has or hasn't worked. There's a big difference between experimenting with what you've been told to do and it going right or wrong and just errors that we see in a game that you know, drop ball or whatever. They're, they're very different. Um, they're very different things. And uh, the other night we were at a, a function uh, after one of the games in this under 18 international series and all the coaches and players were very positive about this series, bringing our different cultures of rugby together, including France as well. So that's England, France and South Africa. And so you've spoken a bit about the the style difference we have in South Africa. Obviously then that gets concentrated into our national under 18 side England's coming over for you as someone watching as a commentator, obviously with insights into the game, what do you think is the benefits of this series and keeping this series going? Because it's it's not the first time we've had this either. There's a, there's a huge, huge number of benefits. Number one, from a pure playing point of view, it is time in the shirt. It is time under good coaches and it's an opportunity for development for all the players to work their way towards professional and, and hopefully international rugby. So on that side, hugely important. For the touring sides, it's a huge off-field development chance as well. It's a chance to experience a different culture, a different country. It's a chance to experience many, maybe for some of these players, first time spending that much time away from home with a bunch of people they don't know that well when they arrive and, and experiencing what being part of a team sometimes mean and being on, being on tour can mean. 
So there's a, there's a lot of off field stuff as well. And there's a, there's that element of they're about to, they're a year away now from moving towards the professional game where they're going to be going into an environment where it's rugby all the time. And for this two week period, it's rugby all the time. So it's a real lesson in how to be a professional rugby player, albeit while still being a schoolboy. So it's for a variety of reasons, it's a, it's a huge opportunity, but also experiencing that different countries do things different ways and there's no one way of doing things and actually learning that, you know, if, if I take the England team playing South Africa and knowing that South Africa are going to come at them with a style that perhaps many of these guys haven't faced before, similar to, you know, they happen to go very well against the France side, but they experienced a style of rugby that they probably haven't faced that often. France came really hard, really short, tried to fly up in defence. They found the answers to those questions. We'll find out later on if they find out the answers to South Africa's questions, which would probably be more of the same, but more aggressive. I think they're going to come off the line really fast. And England have shown us they want to go around the outside of that. Can they do that under pressure? They won't have faced that sort of aggressive defence before. So you, for a variety of reasons, there's a huge amount for these guys to learn. But I actually think probably in the long run, it's the off-field that'll be the one, the real takeaway for them. And, and you know, the coaches will learn a lot about which guys are able to stand up in a difficult environment, in an unusual environment. And actually, despite all of that, be the leaders in the group, be the best players in the group, be the ones that make a difference. And, and those are the guys to look out for. You mentioned there are differences between the countries, obviously. And I'm a technical person, so I like finding out and, as we know, talking about the laws and things. In South Africa, at the moment for school rugby, we, we don't play 50-22s goal line dropouts. Very likely that from next year we will. Uh, we're using them in this tournament. So for many of the South African teams, first time they're playing with it. Uh, and then in general, we've got our one and a half meter rule for the scrum, but that's a world rugby worldwide under 19 law. The scrum can only go one and a half meters. In South Africa, our tackle height is still the shoulders. It's also possible that will change. We don't really know about that yet. Um, but what are the differences in, in the UK from a purely technical point? Obviously, your guys are playing with the goal line dropout and the 50-22, which I think for the development and going into the national teams is much better than us holding on. <laughs> so um, with that and, and, and with other aspects of the game. You've got a real bee in your bonnet about this 50-22, haven't you? It's, it's about the fifth or sixth time you've talked to me about this. No, it's, I think ultimately, although there are differences in the game, they're, they're minor differences. You know, we saw it came, come in in the, in the international and professional game and, two games in and everyone's everyone's worked it out. Um, the, reali- the reality is rugby's still rugby. Tackle height, yeah, fine. It's 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 different and it's probably going to change change more and and all the rest of it. But ultimately, players are players are pretty these guys are pretty good. They know what they're doing. They know how to adjust. You know, the the difference is at at, at 50-22s and, and goal line dropouts. 50-22 is probably a bigger change. Yeah, because it it's an actual it's a real genuine tactical difference. You know, you you might look to kick from deep because you'll get possession back. It's a bit like having an opportunity of a penalty. Um, goal line dropout. You know, lots of people like it, lots of people don't. the The difference it makes, in my view, is it changes the way you defend on your own goal on your own goal line. Rather than looking some, to smash someone back, you might look to absorb impact and just carry them over the line and you know you know if you can hold it up you're going to get the goal line drop out so it may be adjust the way you tackle but they're they're minor differences it's ultimately it's all about what you do with the ball in hand that counts um and, and how you stop the other team from being able to 
to take advantage of having the ball in hand. The rest of it, you know, you get used to it and you work it out pretty quickly. It's not that long ago that we were being told that we had to adjust the way we come into rucks when we, you know, the first man in could come from, from any old direction. And now, now you're firmly from the back foot and you've got to show the clean release. Heinrich Brousseau 10 years ago, wasn't doing anything like that, but he was the best player on the planet, but everyone adjusts and it's fine. So people adjust and they, and they work it out. Spur back bacon is like having fillet for breakfast because back bacon has more meat and less fat. And we grill that back bacon at 350 degrees, then serve it with two large eggs, golden chips, grilled tomato, toast and jam. And at only $49.90 for our unreal breakfast. Why not bring the whole family? Spur, people with a taste for life. T's and C's apply. I think that was one thing I was always caught up on is the change in tackle height. I think I wanted to zoom into that, but hearing you talk about it, I mean... Have there been style changes to UK rugby with the change in tackle height? Because I know we haven't implemented it in the schoolboy game here, but we, we had a bit of a debate about whether that changes how you would approach. Yeah, look, it's been, I won't lie, it's been hugely controversial. Um, the, the reality is it, it, the change has come about because there will be a massive legal case coming. Um, there's nothing anyone can do to stop that. We've seen the precedent in the NFL. It's coming rugby union's way. Everyone knows it's coming rugby union's way and different unions are reacting as fast as they can to try and mitigate against that. And world rugby is probably going to come in and say, you've all got to change. Um, It does adjust things a little bit. I think it's actually a bigger problem for the secondary tackler rather than the initial tackler. If you, you know, everyone's managed to adjust from, what was previously high to what is now high globally, they're all going to be able to adjust again as a primary tackler to dropping their height a bit more. It's just dropping your height. It's not too difficult. It'll be fine. Secondary tackler is hard. You know, we've seen a, in my view, fairly blatant one of a secondary tackler in Owen Farrell getting himself sent off, not sent off. Who knows? We'll probably, by the time this comes out, we'll probably have an answer on that. But he, he could have adjusted his height. But you can see through an incident like that how the secondary tackler is going to find it harder and harder because in a dynamic situation, you've still got to drop your height and they're probably going to have to be pretty strict about it as well. So it, it'll be hard. But I think, unfortunately, it's just a necessary thing that's going to have to happen for the game. Um, there is a storm coming and we all want to avoid it as much as we can. Yeah, um, and I know in South Africa there are discussions happening around it. I think the big fear is that it uh, kind of impacts the South African style a little bit more, being big and physical up front, preventing the offloads, that sort of thing. But it's, like you say, it's something that's it's happening. It's not like we're going to get away from it. So adapting and adjusting to it is is the most important thing. And I think it's going to be at community level in the next couple of years across the world and probably a professional. Well, well, let me think about some of the greatest tackles you've ever seen. Actually, the ones you remember, they're not, they're not really above midriff height. They're huge. Ta- I mean, even if we go back to um, probably a, an infamous one in South Africa, but um, Brian Lima on, uh, was it Derek Huha? I think it was. Yeah. That's, that's what lower chest height that he actually hits him, but he sends him flying. You know, those, the biggest tackles actually tend to be right in that midriff area. So yeah, there's always people worry, but actually you can put a massive shot in without it being above that height. You just got to, you just got to time it right. 
you know, it'd be fine. It encourages much better technique. Mm, So there's that. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. I think the part of that argument that I always got caught up on is, you know, what happens to your less formal community rugby, your lower teams in clubs, your lower teams within school. But even there, I mean, we faced a lot of injuries just because we weren't as drilled into it. And if you're forced to, you know, follow a strict rule to keep you safe, I mean... It's a valid play. Then you, then you probably will. Yeah, the, the guys who just rock up to play the game in the week. There's no training involved. It's just they come for the game. You can't flame me because I was like <laughs> it last year. But it's true. It. You know, think about um, when the, the laws around uh, tackling a man in the air got, strict, got stricter. I mean, obviously, you've never been able to tackle a man in the air, but they got much tighter around it. And everyone had to adjust. There were a load of red cards and yellow cards for six months, a year or so. And then everyone realizes it's it's yeah. better to stay on the field than not. So yeah. I'm just going to change my technique. You know, people people want to play. They don't want to get sent off. So they adjust, you know, and and you're right. I think that's probably the area that's of most concern is, is in those community and lower school teams. And there probably will be a, a, a longer adjustment period for them. But where that adjustment period will be sorted is right at the beginning of when people are learning to play the game because coaches are just going to be coaching this is how you tackle. And there's no, there is no wriggle room in that. This is just how you do it. And it will feed through. It's not, it's not a quick fix, but ultimately yeah. it, it's a thing that's, it's a thing that's coming and we're all just going to have to get on with it basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Uh, I think that's a, a, a good d- discussion around that. And we'll wait to see what happens specifically here in South Africa, but coming back to the, the school rugby in the UK over the next few years, specifically in England, where do you see it going and where would you, where would you like to see it go? I mean, we've, our next World Cup is coming in 2027 in Australia. So is, that's a pathway for guys getting into uh, high school rugby at the moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the, um, the next few years, particularly in light of having been here for the past couple of weeks, I'd love to see, I'd love to see crowd sizes grow in the UK for, for school rugby. I'd love to see schools do something more to encourage it. I think what um, what's really good about what happens here in South Africa is there's real buy-in from the community and from old boys and that, that network around the school of having real buy-in to what's going on and then turning up, I want to see schools in the UK learn a bit from that and actually get community buy-in, old boy buy-in. It doesn't have to be every game. You know, there's no point in trying to change the wheel overnight. Let's... Let's just target one or two games a year for each school that you really go for. I'd love to see that. Um, on the field, to be honest, I like where it's at. I think I think we're going to see more of the same. I think we're going to see coaches putting pressure on players. Excuse me, I've got a ter- terrible cough. It's not good for a commentator. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of a worry for later, actually. But um, you know, they, they they've got to they're going to put their players under more pressure on their skills. We we see it all the time. I mean, anyone should go back and have a look at. Um, England versus Western Province, I think it's about an hour into the game. Kepu Tuapaloti, the hooker, breaks through and he's putting a grubber kick through. That, Although that is an extraordinary piece of skill, that is something that is encouraged at school where rugby in the UK. They want to see forwards trying things and executing skills. And if that translates to the international game, wow, we are in for, we are in for some spectacular rugby. You have been a part of you know the rugby scene in the UK, been there for a bit of time. As a commentator, highlights of just watching schoolboy rugby develop? 
Oh, there's a myriad of highlights. I'll tell you, the the highlights for me always, though, are seeing superstars of the future take their first steps. Um, and sometimes they don't even turn out to be future uh, superstars of the future. They just turn out to be all right players, but on schoolboy level, they were fantastic. There's a guy I will tell anyone any day of the week about called Tom Whiteley, who is the third choice scrum half at Leicester, maybe fourth choice scrum half at Leicester. Best schoolboy player I've ever seen. Absolute wizard. He, he just His footwork was incredible. And I I love seeing guys like that where you just go, this is, I'm, I'm here before the party. I'm seeing this before anyone else has. And that's incredible. You know, the, to get, to give you a, a, an example that probably more people know, the, uh, the England flanker, Ben Earl, phenomenal schoolboy talent. And I've been telling anyone that will listen for 10 years about how incredible he is. Finally, he gets his first start last week. He's got his second start today and he's playing the house down. And it's, there's something really special in having been able to go, yeah, I was, the, I was, I was there in the beginning. I, I, I got the advanced ticket to this. <laughs> and I spotted him. Uh, well, um, Angus, you obviously know now a lot more about South African rugby than you did before. You've always known a lot about English rugby. So it's time to put that knowledge to the test. We're going to have you go up against Tim in our Super Sports Schools podcast quiz. How it works. This is very worrying. You get, uh, yeah, well, now you've got to put your money where your mouth is, but uh, it's uh, 60 seconds and you just answer as many questions as you can. Tim will go first to give you something to challenge. And then there's also a leaderboard that you can get onto. The highest score on that leaderboard is and probably will be forever 13 from Tahir Augusti. She's a South African national women's hockey player at the age of 18, I think, when we chatted to her. Well, you, you've certainly made me nervous. Let's, <laughs> let's see how we go. I'll be happy if I get two. All right. Time to play the Super Sports Schools podcast quiz. Tim is up first to set a score for our visitor from England to Chase. Timothy Matama. Yes, sir. Co-host of the Super Sports Schools podcast quiz. Going places. Are you ready? I'm feeling confident. Your time starts now. In under 16 rugby, what are the three scrum calls in South Africa? Crouch, bind, set. It's crouch, bind, scrum. In what country did the tea break in crickets originate? Australia. Correct. True or false, tug of war was once an Olympic event? True. Correct. Who is the second most capped springbok of all time? Uh, Brian Havana. Correct. Who holds the world record for the men's 400 meter? Wait for Finnegan? Uh, I'll give it to you, Wade Finnegan. Correct. Who won the 2023 Paul Derby? Uh-huh. Correct. Who knocked Banyana Banyana out of the Women's FIFA World Cup? Uh, Spain. Netherlands. True or false, David Attenborough is the reason tennis balls are the colour they are today. I want to say true. It's correct. Yes. Who won the Who won the Women's Rugby World Cup last year? Uh, 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 Australia. New Zealand. True or false, in the six nations, Georgia is one of the nations. True. False. Supersport Schools has streamed the under-18 series around the world. True, true or false? It's true. Correct. So there we go. He's shown you how to do it. And seven. Seven. You know, some of those I really should have gotten, but under yeah. the time stress, it, you're, you're pretty I, I think the Netherlands one. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> the interesting thing with David Attenborough, so he used to work as a producer for the BBC, and in like the 50s, they were broadcasting tennis. And you couldn't really see the balls at the time on the TV that well. And so he was like, make them those the like Lumo green, yellow color that they are today. And yeah, so that's why 
tennis balls are the color they are. It was such a niche question. It had to be true. Yeah, it had <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. In yeah. all honesty, I just answered for my love for David Attenborough. If I just said who is the re- who caused them to be that color, then you probably wouldn't have known. You've seen how we do it? Pressure's on. Jeez. Yeah. Are you are you are you feeling good? No, not at all. Can, I'm deeply concerned. <laughs> what do you mean? Beforehand, you're saying you're going to get 14. <laughs> that was that was off air. That was, now that we're on air, I'm thinking that three is going to be good. Uh, that's before you heard the the questions. Okay, Angus from Next Gen 15. Are you ready to play? No, <laughs> no one's ever said that. Angus, your time starts now. Who won the 2022 World Schools Rugby Festival? Hamilton Boys High. Correct. Which English school placed highest in the 2022 World Schools Festival? Millfield. Correct. In tennis, if a serve hits the net before going in, it is called a? Let. Correct. According to Next Gen 15, where was Paul Boys High ranked in 2022? Third. Eighth. What was the score in the 2019 Rugby World Cup final? Ooh. Do you know, I can't remember. 18-11. Uh, 32-12. What colour card does Boxmart use in South African rugby matches when a player is believed to be concussed, blue or orange? Orange. It's blue. Who won the 2019 Cricket World Cup? England. Correct. Uh, who won the 2022-23 Gallagher Premiership? Um, well, I, I should know that. Saracens. Correct. Who is the most capped Scottish rugby player? Ross Ford. Correct. If you opt for a scrum from a free kick in rugby, are you allowed to score a drop goal on the first phase? No. Correct. Right. Time is up and and it is a tie. Both of you Ooh. have got seven, which means we have to have a tiebreaker question. Here we go. Tim Angus, your question is, in how many ways can you score points in rugby? Tim. Angus. Okay. Tim's coming first. Four. It's not the right answer, Angus. Five. That's the right answer. What am I missing? Penalty. Yes. Conversion. Yes. Try. Drop goal. Penalty try. I forgot drop goal. Angus, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for chatting about English rugby, South African rugby. Hope you enjoy the rest of your time here and good luck for the match today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a blast and I can't believe I came away with the victory in the quiz. That's, uh, that's my main takeaway from today. I've got, got one win under the belt while I've been out here. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Angus. Cheers. This has been the Super Sports Schools podcast, bringing you stories of our future stars powered by Spurs Steak Ranchers.